0: Hi everyone. Jasmine, thank you so much for having me. It's it's truly an honor to be here and to finally get to meet you and all of you beautiful people. I'm I'm so glad that you're here. And if we haven't met already, my name is Cat Caldwell Myers and I am an animal intuitive and relationship coach. My passion is supporting Women, mothers, and caretakers to go deeper in their relationships through adventures with animals in nature. So, today we're going to be talking about the healing properties of animals. Who here owns an animal? Do you have a pet at home? Raise your hand. Maybe a cat or a dog or a horse. I left behind a wonderful miniature Aussie named Lucky our dear tuxedo kitty named Apollo and four horses back in Teton Valley, Idaho, which is just outside of Jackson Hole, Wyoming with my family. I have two young daughters and an amazing husband who's taking care of them right now. And I just want you to put your hand on your heart for a minute and just connect with your animal or animals if you have one that you left behind just tune into them. If you do not have an animal in your life right now, I want you to think back to a time when you did. Maybe you've lost an animal. Connect with them. Connect with the wisdom that they gave you. if you currently have an animal, I want you to connect with the wisdom that they give you every day. And if you're at a place in your life where you're imagining what might be possible in your next becoming, the next animal that you own, an animal of the future, It could be a cat or a dog or a horse. I want you to connect with that animal now. Who is your domestic spirit animal, who are they? Who are you when you're with them, when you're tuned in to their wisdom, To all that they give you. Give yourself a smile. And now, whatever this animal is, I want you to cross over past domestication into the wild essence of this animal. If your animal is a cat, this might be a tiger. If your animal is a horse, this might be a zebra. If your animal is a dog, this might be a wolf or a fox. Tune into their nature. See them in their natural habitat. How are they? Within themselves, with each other, what do they do? That is their essential nature. All right, everybody. Thank you for that. Let's just shake it out a little bit. You can come on back to me now. And um, I find in working with people and connecting with them and their domestic spirit animal, a lot of people have blocks. They have blocks about why they can't have an animal or why they can't connect with their animal in the way that they want to. And a lot of these blocks really come down to not understanding their animal's essential nature and the gift available to them when they do see them and embrace them for all that they are. Because that's where the work really begins. When we're able to embrace ourselves as we are, instead of Resisting or wishing that we were some other way instead of trying to control our bodies or how other people perceive us. When we authentically become ourselves, the healing begins and animals in their essential nature already are authentically themselves at any given moment. And if we find an animal is struggling for some reason, if we return to their essential nature, who they were thousands of years ago, in the herd, in their pride, if they're a lion, right? We start to understand exactly what drives them, what they're thinking about. And we ourselves as humans are so disconnected from our own essential nature, our own innate knowing, that intuition that is just prevalent in the animal world. They already know. They know how they feel. They know what they're thinking. They know why they're thinking it. And when we start to tap into animal wisdom and what's available to us, the more time we spend with animals, we become more and more ourselves. This authenticity blossoms within us. And it's the most amazing thing to witness people who have disconnected themselves from their own animal essence, from their own inherent essential nature. And then what happens when they start to work with animals and let that come out, let that blossom, they become more of themselves. So let's start with dogs. Historically, we began working with dogs about 16,000 years ago. Now, what's the definition of domestication? Well, the definition of domestication is actually controlling an animal species reproduction. What that means is breeding. So about 16,000 years ago, we started to see a more wolf-like creature turn into a more domesticated golden retriever type creature. Their ears went from being up to flopping down. Their tail went from being straight to having a slight curl or bend to it. And there are a few other things that changed as they became more and more domesticated. Very interesting to consider how did that start? Were we hunting the same deer together and we started to work with the wolves and bring them in and share the meat or the kill? Historically, we've used dogs for hunting. We've used them for protection. We've used them as man's best friend today, right? The pet industry in the United States of America is a $136 billion industry. We love our pets. They become us. We see ourselves in them. But when did that start and why is it so important? What do dogs need? They need to get outside. They need to take a walk. You don't want them doing their business in your house. (laughs) So they get you out into nature. Studies have shown that forest bathing, just walking through the woods can help your mental health. So dogs in their essential nature help us return to being fitter, to getting out into the woods and hearing the birds chirping. We invite them into our homes to protect us, to entertain us, to perhaps hunt. Some people do still hunt with dogs. But whatever it is, our lives start to be shaped by the animal that we take into our homes. Our home life is about it. Our work life is about it. Even if we're gone at work or we're at an event like this, if we've left a dog at home, we're thinking about who can go and take my dog out for a potty break and an opportunity to check in with nature. Dogs love to sniff, that actually does something for them. And we forget because we get so far away from animals and their essential nature because we force our lives onto them. We forget to see the way that they see the world. But when you start to let go, and allow this partnership, beautiful things happen. And they've been happening for about 16,000 years with dogs. And let's not forget that D-O-G is G-O-D spelled backwards. So whatever your spiritual beliefs are, your soul, the closer you get to an animal, and I believe specifically dogs, you see the face of God you see the face of God in that unconditional love, in that tail wag, in that, hey, let's get outside together, look in their eyes, in the pant, (laughs) that life is good. Let's pant for a minute, everybody. Let's just do a little pant. (laughs) Do you know that studies have shown that when humans pant, This is actually a technique in yogic tradition. And yoga, by the way, has also been around for thousands and thousands of years, a way to take care of our bodies. Animals take care of their bodies all the time. If you watch them, dogs sleep on average 12 to 14 hours a day. And when they pant, (laughs) do you know why they pant? They pant because they cannot sweat. It is their way of releasing heat. That's why a dog in those dog days of summer can be found on the porch, (laughs) panting. Anybody have some heat to let let off? We forget these weird carnal things that we might learn from the animals. And panting is one of them. (laughs) All right. Go home and use that with your sexual partners now. Okay. (laughs) Moving on to cats. I know we have cat fans in the room and I love cats. Cats were actually my very first animal love. Horses were always a love, but they were not in my home. They were not actually a part of my life until much, much later. I had to pursue them and pursue them and pursue them. And we'll talk about horses in a minute. But first let's talk about cats. Cats have been domesticated historically about 12,000 years, beginning with the Egyptians. And the Egyptians brought cats in for all kinds of spiritual reasons. They worshipped them. They thought they had certain wisdom. And this is still true today. Cat people, cat memes very much out way dog memes. If we want to get into social media, why is that? Cats are so funny. There's a saying you can own a dog, but you can't own a cat, right? The cat owns us. When my husband and I were first dating, I said, you know, I have a cat. Is that going to be a problem? Is that going to be okay? And he was like, well, I don't know. I think I'm more of a dog man. Let me tell you, my cats, which are now our cats, have completely changed my husband's demeanor and understanding of cats. So, if you don't love cats, I'm going to challenge you. It's probably just that you haven't found the right cat. And the same is true if you're a cat person and you don't think you really like dogs. Maybe you just haven't found the right dog or the right fit for your lifestyle with a dog. So, understanding your own innate nature. If you travel a lot, for example, if you work long hours away from home, a dog might not be the best fit for you. A cat might be a better fit. Cats on average sleep about 16 hours a day. So although we have all those funny memes and we think that they're really, really, you know, super fun and have all of this silliness going on, the truth is cats <laughs> by their very nature are either super active or sleeping they spend a lot of time grooming themselves. Dogs might itch themselves, but they don't lick themselves. They have a completely different tongue design to cats. Cats actually have little backwards sort of uh, prickers on their tongue that work like a hairbrush when they're licking their fur. So a 100 licks from a cat will break human skin. By the way, one lick from a lion which has much larger little hairs on their tongue, will break human skin. Why do they lick? Why do they groom themselves? Why do they purr? Why do they like to be so clean? Only God knows why cats are the way they are. But again, a person who loves a cat loves that they take care of themselves. And what you're responsible for in caring for a cat might be their kitty litter, might be letting them in and out, might be feeding them and watering them. But the training involved with a dog where you're going out into the public is very different than the training involved with a cat, especially if you're keeping them close to home. Now, if you're traveling with your cat, you are going to have some other things to think about. And those things will help heal you in your travels. If you want to get to know an animal, travel with it. That's the best way to get to know an animal is to get out of your home and and go somewhere with it because that's where your relationship will really bond and you'll get to know yourself and this animal and the healing available to you through that animal. So for example, jet lag, cats can deal with that. They're going to sleep 16 hours. They would like to sleep with you and help you wind down. And every cat's a little bit different, but cats meow only for their humans. Did you know that? As a general rule, cats don't meow to each other. That's not how they communicate. When cats meow, they meow to and for their person. Even a stray cat walking down the street looking for milk or a handout, meow, 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 meow. My first cat was named Zebra Puddle. She looked just like she sounded, black and white splotches, sort of like a paint horse. And Zebra puddle had her own specific meow, and she and I had our own language. This is not unusual among cat owners. So Zebra would meow like this. She'd go, meow, meow, meow. Recently, I discovered a fantastic uh, musician who took his cat's meow and sampled it into a musical mixture. It went like this. meow, meow, meow. Hey cat, here for a quick commercial break. If you haven't heard, my book, The Adventure Paradox, is available on Amazon and it's been getting some really amazing reviews. It's actually been a little bit overwhelming. Uh, And maybe too much to say in the middle of this interview. So we'll get back to it. But I did want to let you know it is available. It was a bestseller in six categories. And if you really enjoy this podcast, I think you will really enjoy this book. So please go check it out. So he took that meow and he resampled it with this lyric. Sometimes I'm alone. Sometimes I'm not. Sometimes I'm alone. Hello. Cats are very good at entertaining themselves. The video that went along with that meowing sequence was a cat by himself, looking out the window at the birds, kind of sitting around with another cat friend. Sometimes I'm not alone. Sometimes I'm alone. Hello, where's my human? Because that's where the meowing comes in. That's where the connection, the healing property of animals comes in this special language, which is essentially nonverbal. There are no actual words that we can understand there. And animals can understand our words. We can teach them. Sit. Woa. Trot. Heal. But not the cats. Good luck with that. <laughs> Cats teach us their language, which is part of why they're so powerful and so profound as healers and teachers. Now we're going to talk a little bit about horses. As I said, I've been horse crazy from the get-go. Where are my horse people at? Okay, either you're a horse person or you don't yet know that you're a horse person because I'm going to to take you in to why horses are, in, in my opinion, one of the greatest healers available to us in the animal kingdom. Horses, it has been said, are in the 33rd dimension of consciousness. Human beings, by the way, are in the seventh dimension of consciousness. Now we've been working with horses. It's very hard to say, but based on some different things we've found that changed their features in the mouth, perhaps from a bit, we think somewhere between 4,000 and 6,000 years. So twice as long or even three times as long, or four times as long with cats and dogs, right? Why is that? Well, one of the biggest difference between cats and dogs or horses is that cats and dogs are predators. They are more like us. We have both of our eyes in the front of our face because we're predators. So we are looking to kill and hunt other animals, other species for our gain to grow stronger. That's part of what we do. Horses, on the other hand, are inherently prey animals. Prey animals live in a herd and all of them have eyes on the sides of their face looking out for predators at all time. Let's think about this. Zebras, deer, horses, billy goats, bighorn sheep. These are all prey animals and generally they work together in a herd And if you're riding a horse, for example, on a trail ride with a couple of other people, the horse in the front will have both of their ears pointing forward. They are paying attention to the sounds in the front of the herd. The horse in the middle will have both of their ears flopped out to the sides. They are listening like satellites to the horses and sounds to each side of them, listening for a predator in the woods. And the horse in the back, you guessed it, has their ears pointed back towards their rider, but also behind them to hear the sounds that might be coming up from behind them. Let's talk about behind them. Horses can't see us on their backs. One of the scariest things for a horse is a predator and that's us, by the way, coming upon their backs because that's the spot they can't see. If you watch animals in the wild when they're taken down by a wild predator, like a lion taking down a zebra, one of the most common attacks is right onto the back and then they take them around the neck. What do we do when we ride a horse? We do the scariest thing possible for them and they trust us. We teach them to trust us that we will protect them and work with them, and in return, they give us the most incredible healing, the most incredible strength, horse power. A horse's magnetic field from their heart is 30 30 times greater than a human being, and so much of this is non-verbal. There's this field that exists out there for us with animals where we can connect with them without any words. Non-verbal communication, unconditional love. Ah, oh, that just comes effortlessly. And when you adventure with a horse, and for thousands of years, we have taken adventures with horses. We have built entire empires. We have had wars. And we have crossed oceans with our horses. And yes, we have bred them. But let's talk about what we have not been able to do with horses. We have not figured out how to stop a mare, which is a female horse from her reproductive cycle, from her natural essential nature when it comes to her hormone cycling. With a female dog or cat, we can spay them. With a male dog or cat, we can neuter them. Again, we are controlling their reproduction. With a male horse, which is called a stallion, we can geld them so they can no longer breed. Why would we do that? Well, stallions in and of their essential nature have such a strong energy. They're so strong, they can be very difficult to train, to channel that sexual energy and not have them literally run through a wall or a fence to get to a mare who is in heat. Therefore, most male horses that you will find in our domesticated world, not at a breeding farm, are going to be gelded. And they tend to be the calmer horses because they don't have those sexual cycles. Mares, on the other hand, and this is part of why I use them in my coaching with women who are starting to understand their own hormonal cycles, is that we have not harnessed that energy in mares. So they are incredible teachers of what goes on in a feminine cycle. There are certain times where we might be more talkative. Maybe we're ovulating. There are certain times where we might be quieter or more annoyed or the things that come out of our mouths aren't so kind and gentle. Perhaps we're PMSing. So these are the little things. When you're on a horse, it looks different. (laughs) They get very excited about, look at me, look at me. I'm really feeling it. I'm feeling it. They can be harder to control because all they can think about is getting to that stallion on the other side of the fence, but they'll still listen to you. They're just so distracted. And then other times of the month, and they have longer cycles, they'll be totally tuned into you. I write about this in my new book, The Adventure Paradox How to Haul It All, Go Big, and Go Home in Your Relationships. There is an entire chapter called Our Essential Nature, where I go deep on explaining mares, horses, women, and hormones. A fascinating chapter. So I'll leave that one for you to consider. Meanwhile, The great paradox of any of these animals. And a 100 years ago, just a 100 years ago, my friend, if you have grandparents who lived into their 90s, like I have been honored to have four sets of grandparents, two of them still alive in their 90s, and they are a blessing every single day, all of their wisdom. They lived at a time when cars had just taken over horses on the streets of the United States, 1920. That was not that long ago. Not that long ago at all. So, what did their daily life look like? Our grandparents' parents, to get to work, they had to connect with an animal every morning. They had to tune in with their energy and see how they were doing if they were ready to get on their backs or hook up a carriage to them to be driven somewhere. Today, we take a key, we put it into a mechanical machine, we turn it, and we think we're ready to go out onto the road. But we haven't done anything to heal our own internal emotional nature to connect with another. We're completely disconnected. We have this huge car machine disconnecting us from other humans, from other animals. Look at how unnatural that is. By the way, I asked today, did anybody leave a pet at home? Anybody here bring a pet? Besides Jasmine (laughs) and we love you, Foxy, a cat named Foxy, I'm going to argue that every single one of you did. This is a pet that you like to stroke. It's a pet that entertains you. It's a pet that connects you and you'll talk to it and it's your cell phone. And your cell phone does not have a soul. It does not have a soul. So the great paradox of taking on an animal and caring for it is that it cares for us. I believe that these animals we're talking about, and even if you're tapping into wild animals, watch Animal Planet and asking yourself, how am I that? How does this satisfy me seeing the lion go for its kill? How do I do that in my job? Or how am I not doing that? How am I afraid and hanging out with my peer group, always worrying about who is going to get it? How am I that? What do I have to learn? What healing is available to me through the wild animals, their essential nature, their ancestor? And am I taking an animal into my life today? A lot of people, they have this block because they've lost an animal. Their animal has crossed over the rainbow bridge and there is a cat-shaped hole or a dog-shaped hole or a horse-shaped hole or whatever your animal shape is in your heart. And I just want to remind you that your animal will find you again if you tune in to that animal. They're here on earth still to help us. It's our job to tune in to them. Let's tune in to them again, like our life depends on it. Because the quality of our life does depend on it. And if and when we push too hard and we get into that workhorse mentality or we beat a dead horse. We are missing the essential nature of our relationship with animals and with ourselves. So as we close, I just want you to put both hands on your heart again, please. I'm going to invite you. I'm going to invite you to tune in to animals like your life depends on it allow your heart to be touched by an animal because when we allow that animal to touch us we at a soul level and it's not just a whisper it's a sensation we are touched by them Animals help us connect to that part of ourselves that is beyond words. So tune in to animals. Tune in like your life depends on it. Because the quality of it does. Our nature, our ability to heal, elevate, and connect at the deepest level is found in the animal kingdom. Don't overcomplicate it. Just allow yourself to love the animal of your choice and be loved by them.